This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Enterprise Biz Bites. My name is Rich Bradbury in the studio with the ever present Russian candidate. There we go. Uh, of course, it is Tech Tuesday, and it could potentially be uh, one of the biggest weeks uh, for AI. Uh, this entire year. But before we get to that, we have some very important information that you all should know about. Yeah, I think it's as no surprise that Malaysia's economic vigor has waned while you know our competitors in the region, such as South Korea and Taiwan, have soared. I, I think it's a bit of a disservice to those countries to call them our competitors, given how far they've soared. <laughs> um, that said, at this year's Enterprise Breakaway, we are putting together a, bringing together a new generation of entrepreneurs, funders and, and industry players that are working to hopefully bring Malaysia's Raw back. Uh, here we're going to see. We're going to hear a keynote from Loy Tuan E. If you're not familiar who he is, he's the founder of Farmfresh. You've also got Aerodyne founder uh, Kamarul Mohammad as well. He's going to be talking about tech and AI and all the different integrations we could see in the tech scene. And uh, also whether you can be green and profitable. And helping us with that will be Renika Sena from Scale Up Malaysia. A lot of other guests as well who will be joining us for this. You can learn more on our website. Enterprise Breakaway is happening on Thursday, October the 19th at Bangs at the Vertical Bangs South. And you can win a pair of tickets by answering this question. A tech startup is considered a unicorn when it hits a valuation of 100 million US dollars. Is that true? Or false. Send in your name and address to 018-789-8899 over WhatsApp. Uh, again, WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 with your name and address as well as the answer. And um, the event is presented by CIMB. Moving forward with you. Of course, I'm sure we'll be asking that question a few times throughout the show as well. So it's not your only opportunity. Uh, don't be worried if you don't manage to get through uh, the first time. Now then, oh, where do we start? We have our first this? response in already. See, oh, well done. Uh, Feng Jin Nicely done. Uh, okay. Uh, we can't really tell you if you're right or wrong, but somebody will respond to you shortly. So I was just checking through some of the um, biggest news stories, uh, uh, the biggest AI news stories of last week. And in fact, I wanted to do a show today on a whole bunch of different tech, but there was so much that happened in AI last week that it would be doing it a disservice if we didn't tackle some of the bigger stories uh, from this week. Uh, just to, uh, off the top of my head, ChatGPT going multimodal. They've brought back the browse facility. Uh, there's looking at this story of Johnny Ive and OpenAI, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, the Avengers have assembled. Yeah, well, in fact, let's just jump straight into that story because it's a great story. So as you may have heard, um, the former Apple design chief, Johnny Ive, is reportedly in discussions with OpenAI to create a consumer device. We all know what that means. Um, that offers a more natural and intuitive interaction with artificial intelligence, akin to the transformative impact of the original iPhone's touchscreen technology. So the project, backed by SoftBank, uh, aims to design a device that reduces reliance on screens and mitigates addictive technology behaviors. I mean, I mean, all that that last part is just garnish. Um, yes. You know, it's not. It, that's basically Johnny Ive last time they saying that things like. Uh, it was a bit, you know, shouldn't be so reliant on the yeah. tech. But the main point here is that you know, a few weeks ago we talked about everyone's trying to design the next phase of consumer tech, taking into account uh, AI. This is something we've been talking about for years. Every year at Apple's keynote is what's coming after this, yeah. right? Is yeah. it the Vision Pro? Is it something else? We don't know. But when the touch, I mean, we take it for granted now, but when the touch screen came in, mm. in 2007, it changed the way we interacted with hardware. Yes. 
Um, and that was a game changer. It's built economies. It's it's built platforms. It's built businesses on the back of this. Yep. Entire new industries have been built on this. Yep. What is the next phase of it, right? So you've got this multimodal situation where um, could you have like a, a screen on your wrist partnered with a earbud or with a Vision Pro? Like the Vision Pro is a immersion device. It's not a mm. something you can use on a mm. daily basis. So the interesting part here is Johnny Ive, who a lot of people may not be familiar with because mm. it's been mm. a long time since he left Apple. It, it has been a he while. He was Steve yeah. Jobs' Uh, right-hand man when yeah. it came to industrial design. He essentially steered um, alongside Steve Jobs. The iPod, the iPhone, a lot of this design, he, the hardware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got Apple by contract. He essentially made Apple what they are today, if you, if you want to he look was, at he it. He was out. part of that team. Right? He was part of that team. Now, just to go back to what they're planning, I mean, I, I think your idea of having a little screen on your your hand, uh, on your wrist, and, and maybe a, an earpiece, I think voice-activated stuff is definitely the way forward. And, mm. and looking at the way... And how good OpenAI's voice recognition software is right now, the dictation stuff for the current OpenAI software and the app that's on your phone is ridiculously good. And it makes much more sense for us to be um, giving instructions via our voice than tapping on screens moving forward. Now, we know Johnny Ive is like this design guru and designs things that look brilliant and work brilliantly alongside really, really good tech and industrial design. philosophy along with jobs is always form and function. Correct, correct. Now, this could be a departure from that, though. I mean, if we are looking at a device that is mainly voice-activated, it's going to be something small. It's going to be obviously very pretty. But, you know, the idea that he designs things that we like to look at because they are things of beauty, I don't know how that's going to work with something like this, you know, because at that point, and it becoming so small and discreet, does it really matter how perfect it's going to look? But it's also not fair to kind of like minimize his work to things that look pretty, right? Because a lot of it is also like, what is the ergonomics of it? It's like the form and function must make sense in the sense that, uh, so what is the new way we interact with this? So the touchscreen, the iPod, I mean, the iPod with the circular dial, you know, that was, it it changed, it was, yeah, it changed the way we interacted with devices at the time. So how are we going, what are we going to see today? Is it, uh, is it a pair of glasses? I mean, Meta launched something last week. Uh, is it a pair of glasses that pairs with a earpiece that pairs with a with your like a slightly bigger watch, mm, a mm. dashboard? Um, is it all voice? Is mm. it not voice? Like it, what's going to take us away from the screen? Because that's been the biggest question in tech for the last five years. What's next? Because yeah. every year is a oh, it's another iPhone. It's another disc. Right. It's another right. okay. We've taken a screen and put it on my wrist. And even if you look at the the, the latest iteration of the iPhone, you know the, the discussions that's been have, happening over the past couple of weeks, or rather the last week since it was launched. It, it, it's not like one of these game changing launches. Yeah, There's not nothing all. great it's about it. Incremental. It's okay. You've you're, you've you've lagged in the you've you're you're bringing things to the iPhone later, mm. but you're doing it the Apple way in certain certain ways. Um, obviously, the story here is uh, sources speaking to the Financial Times, uh, but it's going to be interesting because why it's so interesting because everyone everyone is doing something mm. in this space, right? Mm. To bring the next iteration of consumer tech. Um, what's interesting is you're partnering. Uh, Johnny Ives' uh, industrial design firm, along with Sam Altman, because it's not directly an open AI project. This could be a separate division of the Sam Altman group of companies, for example. And then you're back, and then you're bringing someone who's been a backer of first moving companies for a long time, Uber, Airbnb, that sort of thing. Uh, Masayoshi Sun hasn't gotten the best of press over the last yeah. few years, yeah. uh, but he's put a billion dollars behind this. Yeah. So yeah. everyone is watching them because it does feel like you're bringing back, like. 
Guns and Roses together too. This is exactly not, what not it feels they, like. Not that they've ever worked together. It's actually you're bringing back different people from different yeah, bands yeah. and making a super band. Correct. What would they call Velvet Revolver? Would it, would members of Guns and Roses <laughs> and members of the Stone Temple Pilots and you know that kind of that's who it was. You know, it, it is the kind of vibe I get from this. Definitely, yeah. you know, experts from their field who were the top of their field at the time and indeed at the time right now. You know, mm-hmm. with, with uh, Sam Altman, this is going to be something. Something clearly groundbreaking, you know, and I really look forward to what this is going to bring. It's going to be interesting also because OpenAI is, I think, planning to issue shares to raise more money. Uh, Microsoft has a 49% stake in them. The stuff that's happening with OpenAI right now, Mm -hmm. in in just the last few days, it's so difficult to keep up. I mean, and one of the latest (laughs) things is now... I don't know if you remember not too long ago, of course, alongside Microsoft's pairing, it was the idea that you could browse the internet. Mm -hmm, And that mm -hmm. was one of the big things that people were complaining about. You know, ChatGPT does this, but it's cut off at 2021 or whatever it was, uh, uh, 2020, I think. Um, And it became an issue for a lot of people because the data that's on there is dated, obviously, and it it couldn't browse the internet. So they integrated Bing into it so that if you were looking for relevant and up-to-date information, once uh, once you browse with ChatGPT, you could instruct it to go off and search uh, the internet. Now, they cut that off for a little while because it became problematic and a lot of people use it. There were concerns, yeah. Now they've brought that back. So it's been re-implemented. We don't know whether the concerns have been addressed. (laughs) But on the flip side, of that, what's been happening recently is that you can now go directly to uh, Bard and sorry, rather to Bing and do your searches, which in then in turn has also implemented ChatGPT in its search. So it's this whole circular thing because most people now are familiar with uh, ChatGPT and use that website rather than Bing. And I can tell you now, folks, if you are not using Bing as a search engine right now and you worry that ChatGPT and its inf- interfaces are ugly, go try Bing out. Seriously, it's really, really good. It's very accurate. And it gives you sources of where it gets its information from, unlike ChatGPT did. Now, I wonder whether the reason they introduced, reintroduced this was because a certain other big tech company launched their updates last week. Yes. Bard gave us access to the internet. Yes. Uh, That's the Google product competitor and immediately showed... um, that Google's not playing around, right? Everyone was like, oh, how did Google miss out the gates? They were like, we were playing it slow because Ah. we were worried that we were going to destroy the world. But sure, since everyone (laughs) wants us to introduce our product, here we go. And then when they first brought it out, it wasn't good enough. And Mm -hmm. now it's like, we are here. This is what we can do. Don't forget that we invent mm. no we didn't invent search but we made search what it is today we are they the made it sim- a verb dude yeah. you know we made search a verb yeah right yeah. and we have that infrastructure that we can apply to our llms yeah yeah um now it's going to be a big fight between these two and the other concerns always going to be now guardrails yeah. and protection of ai because a uh, protection of how ai is governed because Plenty of people are concerned over misinformation because now it's not even you're not even looking at search results. You're trusting the generative AI tool to give you curated information. Mm-hmm. And we're trusting consumers to know that this may not be accurate. 
right? right. You can do that over text. Right. But what happens when we approach the multimodal uh, situation yeah. and this new consumer tech and you're listening to an answer like, uh, hey, I need to get to the office. Uh, find me the fastest route. Okay, you want to take this, this, this. And then it pops up. You're, yeah. you're not verifying this information mm-hmm, anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you, have, you're taking it for granted. Yeah. You know, it, it becomes that. And, and you're right. One of the, the biggest updates over the last uh, few days has been, uh, you know, Bing's image search, which they've tied in with, with Dali 3. And the reason that Mid Journey became so popular was it, it created beautiful images, but it, it also had some of these guardrails in place. You know, you, you couldn't do um, adult related content, for example. You couldn't do not safe for work related content. Anything with violence or whatever was kind of completely shut off, and it would tell you you can't do that. Dali, which has been boiled into Bing, um, and now offers this boiled to being yeah meaning it comes alongside it uh, together as a, a single product you can let's say for example you wanted to do an image of a violent image of tom and jerry you know mm-hmm. using tom and jerry's violent they were <laughs> but you know it, it now gives you this ability to do that so the guardrails have come off for image generation and this is something that hasn't happened before so far this is where things are starting to get a bit worrying and i think potentially what they've done is allowed these guardrails to come off for a testing period just to see how people interact with it and of course what have people done they've literally pushed it to the edge to see how violent and gruesome they can make it. and there's some horrific stuff out there now that um makes you genuinely worry about why people would do this. And it goes to those concerns of why we should have those guardrails on, particularly when it comes to stuff like deepfakes and whatever, because it's so accurate and it's so convincing right now that I might switch places with you for a week and be genuinely concerned about where AI is taking us right now. Join join me. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, on that note, we are going to take a short break. Um, don't forget, though, if you want to take part in the competition and stand the chance of winning two tickets to our event, the Enterprise Breakaway 2023, happening on the 19th of October at the Vertical in Bangsa South, all you've got to do is tell us whether or not this statement is true or false. A company is valued as a unicorn if it's value if it's valued at 100 million dollars is that statement true or false let us know via our u-mobile whatsapp number 018-789-8899 we're going to take a break we do have some music coming up of course from those freaky ai people that are radiohead with just in a few moments here on bfm 89.9 beautiful festive moments bfm 89.9 the business station Welcome back to Enterprise BizBytes. It is Tech Tuesday. My <laughs> name is Rich Bradbury. Losing my mind a little bit there, forgetting what day it is and what we were talking about. No, no, you were just too into the mood. That's right. I was, I've was been taken away, of course, there, there by Radiohead. And just, anyway, thank you very much for joining us and coming back. Uh, for those of you that have been with us all the way through so far, uh, we do have a question for you, though, and we're going to keep pushing this until the event of uh, the day. The until 19th, you get tired. Until you get tired, yes. The 19th of October, of course, we are having our event. It is the Enterprise Breakaway 20. 2023, it's about how we can make Malaysia raw again. And our question is... Our question is... Uh, yes, to win, uh. a pair of, <laughs> to win a pair of 
got tickets answered this question. A tech startup is considered a unicorn when it hits a valuation of 100 million US dollars. Is that true or false? WhatsApp your name and email address to 018-789-8899. We have some responses here uh, from Pavitra, Daniel, Jennifer and uh, Jin Ming. We will uh, be sending you a message and mm-hmm. get in touch with you uh, in terms of how we will pass you the gifts if if the tickets, if you've got it correct, of course. Uh, some exciting lineup. You know, we got our keynote from Lloyd Twan E from Farm Fresh. Uh, big name, considering the fact that he took uh, a cow, a farm, a milk place. Are you all right? Huh? What do I call it? <laughs> a farm. A farm of cows <laughs> took the, it public. The clue's in the name, my friend. Yes, Farm Fresh. Farm Fresh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but also, you know, interesting things that you're moderating a panel on AI yeah. and ChatGPT and the implications yeah. of business. Mm. I'm moderating one on funding. We're going to have Gobi Partners and Artem on there as well. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be an interesting session. Um, uh, of course, uh, uh, Hive Southeast Asia will be involved as that, in that Matt as well. Matt Armitage, of course, will be making a rare public appearance. Oh. Uh, he'll also be uh, hosting and moderating a panel that, of course, is to do with AI and, and that kind of tech. And um, if you've never met Matt, uh, now is probably your one and only chance this year to meet him come along on the 19th. Is that a better prize than the tickets? Uh, I think so, actually. I think so. Okay, um, let's talk a little bit, of course, uh, about Meta for a change. Um, Now, also pulled out some interesting things last week. Yeah, yeah. did you see any of the the event? I saw what it looked like. I saw the the Ray-Ban glasses that they announced. So again, we're we're talking about consumer products, the way we're going to interact with tech in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, It looked interesting. Uh, So if for those who can't see what we're looking at, uh, Meta introduced basically Ray-Ban Meta smart glasses. They did, yes. Uh, starting at $300 yeah, USD. Not, not too bad at all, right? It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, it will help, you know, you can look at things, it'll help analyze it. Yeah. Um, the concerning thing, of course, is that you can also go start live streaming from the glasses as yeah. well. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're doing something, um, you want to share that, could be interesting. But now, immediately, the concern is... Um, Privacy. Yes. You the remember creeps go- in the world. Exactly. You remember when Google did this 10 years ago and the kind of response that they had? Yeah, but it was also really ugly. It, w- it was um, really ugly, yeah. And then Snap did theirs as well, yeah, their spectacles yeah. or whatever they called yeah. it. That didn't really play out because it only focused on, I think, Snap at that point. Um, but Ray-Ban, they look good. If the tech works well, it could be right. quite a hit consumer product. I mean, are, are we... Are we ready now as consumers to accept this and think, okay, okay, well, you know, wearable tech is a big thing mm-hmm. and it's going to be a big thing. We know that. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, the difference with this compared to like the Google uh, Google Glass, for example, is that obviously they do look a lot better. But the Google Glass had a heads up display in it. Right. And you could actually see information um, inside the glass, no, you kind of, there was a prism and you could see what was happening, right? These uh, Ray-Bans don't do that. It feeds directly to your phone, um, but it is recording. They have cameras built in, they have speakers built in. Um, What would you use it for though? I mean, uh, use case, I mean, unless you are a full-time streamer, for example, uh, you're live streaming, great use case. If you're doing that kind of stuff, then I can see a use for it. And of course, that's where the market is gonna be. That's where they're gonna push the marketing. But for day-to-day use of people like you and me, with it not being a particularly high-resolution camera, is this something you'd buy other than the fact that they're pretty cool? I mean, it it has microphones and speakers as well. Yeah, it does, yeah. Maybe you can hear the prompts. So at the very least, like if you ask something, pick it it up, it'll respond to you there. So this could be a view, uh, a picture of what a post-display world could look like. 
uh, I really, I, I don't know. I wouldn't, I don't know whether I'd buy it for, unless, you know, I was super adventurous, like I went cycling a lot or go-karting and things mm. like that. That could be interesting. I think part of the ad, I think they had Charles Leclerc, Leclerc in the ad and they he did, went from yeah. live streaming on his phone to seamlessly transferring that live stream over to yeah. Instagram Live yeah. on the uh, glasses, on the Ray-Ban glasses. Um, a lot of interesting things. I think everyone's just throwing things onto the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, on one corner, you have the Vision Pro, a uh, different immersive experience in the home, super high tech. Mm, mm. Also trying out a different way and how to interact with tech, right? But mm. this is with this giant thing on your face, but with gestures with your fingers. Right. So I think something like this would be useful for, let's say, for example, you're, you're heading downtown and you're, you're stuck in the CBD, you don't know where to go. And you know like how Google Maps has that um, interactive AR thing where you can hold your phone up and look around you and it mm. tells you where you are and the directions that you can go in. Something like that with it feeding into your ears and, oh, okay, this is where you are turn left at the next junction yeah. that kind of stuff i can imagine being great yeah and of course underlying all this will be the llama 2 uh yeah. generative ai uh their own model and seeing how that processes and how that how well that does i think there are a few other things that they announced but i think the hardware was the most tangible thing that people took that away from me and snoop dog snoop dog was part of the tell this. me you didn't see this no i did not um so what they this is alongside some of the other stuff that they revealed is that they're going to be creating these bots you know then you can interact with these bots across multiple meta platforms and one of the things that they're able to do is you are able to create a bot with a particular character so snoop dog um they have hired to be a dungeon master. Yes, yes, I read, so I saw this. If you're into Dungeons and Dragons, Snoop Dogg is going to be your dungeon master. You know, he will be he will be voicing it. He will be giving the uh, the images and you know. So they have different ex- celebrity experts to give you advice uh, in in as a bot. So you know, he's the D- the dungeon master. You have uh, a few other people give you advice on fashion as a bot, and you know, and, and um, uh, education advice, career advice, like all of these big Hollywood celebrities who are supposed to give you advice. I just think it's really, really interesting stuff. Yeah, we have a WhatsApp message here from Perry saying that I think wearable tech will be world changing for those visually and audioly, uh, audio impaired. And yeah, yeah, totally right. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure whether this was in the it's not a much talked about feature, but the new Apple Watches, whether it's the software or whether it's the hardware on the latest ones, they can sense the gestures uh, that you make with your fingers. Oh, really? So, you know, like the, the thing they were talking about with the Vision Pro, where if mm-hmm. you did uh, like a, your thumb and your the middle finger the tap tapping, kind of thing. Uh-huh. it would do something. The watches can detect that as uh-huh. well. I don't know how. Maybe it's just the movement of your wrist. But if you wanted to select something, you could do that. So ah. that's something to look at. It's, it, it was a bit under the radar. Yeah. MKBHD covered it. So I'm just not sure whether it's for it's based on a hardware situation with the new watches or whether it's for you can use it for the old ones as well. Question is how accurate is it? Because I know some, some of the stuff that they roll out it was, is great. It was quite accurate. Like oh, he really? tried out a few different situations. So uh-huh. I, was, I was quite impressed. But I think just forgot it amongst all the news that's There's been, been so hitting much. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things then, and another one, uh, let's move on, is, uh, oh yeah, just to oh, go wait, back. Emu. Yeah, we got to quickly touch on Emu. Go on, you first. Um, they created an image generator called Emu, so yeah. that's that. That's really <laughs> it. So we got you got Dali in one in one corner, you got Emu in another corner. Um, 
what's uh, Google's uh, version going to be? That will be. I don't know, dude. But one of the things that they rolled out, which I think a lot of people who use WhatsApp a lot and use, do you use many stickers in your WhatsApp messaging? No, but everyone else does. Everyone else does, right? Yeah. So imagine you wanted a, st- a sticker for a certain scenario and you didn't have one. You can essentially type in, uh, create me a sticker of Roshan drinking a cup of coffee at four o'clock in the morning, looking frazzled. You know, of course, we're not going to get that photograph anyway. That's a really specific uh, image. I, I, know. <laughs> I know. But it will be able to create that sticker for us and wow. then we could then share it across our platform. So, I mean, it's pretty cool because it will just think of it and just generate it there and then. Anyway, uh, we do have plenty more for you. And, of course, one of the big news coming up after the break is that Getty Images have launched an AI-powered image generator. Now, this is big news because a lot of people... A lot of photographers, in fact, used to make a lot of money by selling their photographs to Getty. That might be coming uh, something of a thing of the past. We'll talk about that when we come back, though. Now, don't forget, if you want to win two tickets, we'll tell you how to do it when we come back after these messages. So do we have music coming up? We do have music. We'll have, in a few moments, uh, Florence and the Machine with You've Got the Love. There you go. Of course, you tune in to Enterprise Biz Bites Tech Tuesday here on BFM 89.9. Because friends matter. BFM 89.9, the business station. Oh, she's got such a nice voice. Welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. My name is Rich Bradbury, of course, uh, and I'm in the studio with... Russian Kennison. Who also has the voice of an angel. Has yes, yes. Anybody told you that before? Oh, thank you very much. Are you, uh, no, are, no are you blushing? Has. Is that what's happening? Yes, yes. <laughs> Through my beard, you can see the blush. There you go. Uh, but yeah, well, that is a song. Uh, I'm happy that BFM plays it because we don't play that much, that many new songs. That's true. That's not very new also, though. I, I'm glad you picked up on that. Well done. It's been 12 years. Wow. It, it's been around a long time. Now, 2010. Folks, um, we are, we've been talking about wearable tech. And, and of course, most of the show up until now has been about AI, as it will be until the end of the show but we do have panels uh, about AI and tech coming up at our event that is happening on October the 19th uh, it is the Enterprise Breakaway 2023 uh, it is happening at the Vertical in Bangsa South it starts at 8.30 I believe the doors open um, there'll be a little bit of networking coffee session in the morning and then before the panels start but of course we do have a question for you where you could stand the chance to win two wonderful tickets by answering this question to uh, a tech startup is considered a unicorn when it hits a valuation of a hundred million US dollars. Is that true or false? We've had about five people answer, and uh, it's a fifty-fifty split between who gets those tickets. Mm-hmm. As as it is a 50-50 split between whether you get this right or wrong. Indeed, and we will be messaging you a little bit later on after the show to let you know whether or not uh, you have won those tickets. Uh, Just before the break then, we teased the idea of Getty Images launching an AI-powered image generator. Uh, So they've called it imaginatively um, Generative AI by Getty Images. Right. So I wonder how much the consultant got paid for this. I know, this. right? Uh, probably too much money. Uh, but it uses an AI model provided by NVIDIA. And of course, NVIDIA, as we know, um, are one of the big players in the AI market. Their GPUs have been used to generate a lot of the uh, stuff that's already out there. Uh, and it, they basically had NVIDIA GPUs trained on a portion of Getty's huge library of stock content. So the tool generates images from text descriptions or from prompts provided by users. And while the tool provide users with this, uh, the standard royalty-free license. It uses safeguards to uh, prevent its misuse, like uh, dif- uh, disinformation or replicating the style of the living artist, which is something that some of the other um, generative AI tools do not do. They definitely reference some other users' works. The interesting thing is that if you do use this 
generative AI tool, um, it, it's watermarked. So it says, you know, this is not a real image of, for example, Roshan drinking his coffee at 4 a.m. in the morning. This is, in fact, a AI-generated image and not real, uh, which can be very useful, of course, for people that might be using it for online news articles or stuff like that. Yeah, and the tool also uh, won't... Uh, won't allow the creation of specific public figures or mimic living artists, as you mentioned yeah, earlier. Yeah. So I'm not a public figure, so I think uh, uh, I, you can still create that coffee 4 a.m. photo, but it'll just be labeled uh, with a watermark at the back AI generated. That's right. That's right. Uh, so uh, it can be integrated into apps and websites through an API, of course. I, I'm sure we'll be seeing some people trying to sell it yeah. on, on uh, the Apple App Store. As like, you this know. is actually quite big, right? Because Getty yeah, Images is the biggest stock image uh, platform. Um, media houses use yes. it. Everyone uses yes, Getty Images right. one way or another to get legal photos with Correct. the right copyright, Correct. the right uh, licenses to use. So, so for them to enter the fray and given their collection of images, mm. um, it could really help the. You know, a lot of people have podcasts and shows and uh, articles that they write. They need images for certain things. And sometimes you can't find the right image. That's right, yeah. So this may help with that. Although on the other side, obviously, you have concerns from photographers and uh, people who, uh, well, take images and sell images for a living that will this impact them? Mm-hmm. Um I guess it really comes back down to, you know, you can't be going and taking a photo of like the KL skyline and selling that for what it used to be because right. AI could probably generate that. Correct. Uh, although it does have, oddly enough, it has difficulty doing that. You know, I try, oh. I've, been, I've been trying that for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be useful, like you say, for stuff like uh, podcasts or, or for YouTube content and stuff like that, where you don't necessarily need an exact yeah. image of a mass place generated or a mass digital generated content. Correct, correct. What does interest me, though, is the kind of pricing model that's going to come with yeah, this. Yeah, because so, it's not cheap now. Exactly. It's going to be interesting how this will be priced. Right. And if you are uh, if you are subscribed to either Midjourney or Dali or whatever, that's fairly decently priced, yeah. you know, and you can't come in and just say, expect people to pay a lot of money yeah. just because you're Getty. But the benefit with Getty or let's say whether Shutterstock or Adobe gets into or Canva gets into the fray and yeah, all yeah, of these, yeah. all of them are looking Which at they this. Are. Uh, Canva is also very progressive when it comes to using tech and AI. Mm. Um, the, the the benefit here is it's for commercial use. Correct. Right. So a lot of people, if we dally all, I'm not sure whether there's a commercial license applied there mm. uh, with these players, if you're a business, it's safer to go through the tried and tested people because you don't want to get a letter of demand later on and say, hey, you've used my image without uh, the right copyrights. Uh, I'm suing you, or here's my uh, yeah. uh, compensation I expect from it's that. It's really interesting stuff, though, to see where they're going to go next. Um, um, yeah, um, but yeah. that pricing model, I don't know. Yeah, we'll find out. Uh, but while we're talking about AI content and all of this, Rich, TikTok has done something interesting, yeah, hasn't it? Yeah, they, they have. Uh, they, they've debuted this new tool and, and take that labels AI content. Um, so it, its aim is to provide, I guess, transparency regarding AI's involvement in in content creation. So it comes in response to concerns that AI-generated content can potentially confuse or mislead uh, viewers. Uh, So they've updated their policy to address synthetic media, they call it, uh, like deepfakes requiring creators to label their AI content. So this tool is available to creators during the video uploading process. Uh, And so it will display a message below the video's username when it's used. So Essentially saying that this is a... Well, it's still a user user thing, right? It's so it's like kind of like sponsored messages. Correct. So now AI content also, you just want to... It's like attaching a movie rating to it. It's like, okay, yeah. this was yeah, PGAI exactly. or something exactly. like that. So yeah, but, but the onus is then on the uploader to say, okay, this is digitally created um, 
content or, or, or it's AI-generated content. Whether or not they'll, they'll do that, most users, I, I don't know, because there's some very interest, let's just say interesting content on TikTok. And <laughs> a, a lot of people like the idea. I mean, they already know it's AI-generated. What benefit is going to come from this, though? You know, um, who is going to benefit from this? That's my question. Who is going to benefit from this? Mm. I think it's just a matter of, you know, maybe uh, trying to cut off at the pass here to say that, hey, let's separate these two things just in case, you know, people accuse us of uh, not protecting people uh, in terms of uh, what kind of information they're getting. So yeah. you're at least putting a little bit of a warning label there so that, you know, like how every movie is, oh, there are going to be flashing lights in this movie. So mm. if you're mm. epileptic, just uh, just be careful. It's this, this is the same kind of situation, not same, similar in the sense that this is AI-generated content, so just be wary. Because right now, that's what everyone's doing, right? It's still so early in the development of all this, the AI models that the level of accuracy is maybe not where they want it to be. Right. And there's still a lot of prompt, uh, there's still a lot of engineering there. But The, the difference is, though, if you look at YouTube and, and when people are uploading stuff to YouTube via, uh, whether it's their shorts or their videos, it has AI already built in, which mm. will identify whether or not the content is questionable. You know, it, yeah. it's not 100% accurate, but it's there. This is like, it doesn't do that. It's mm. The onus is going back to yeah. the creator. Because I guess it's not maybe a commercial concern just yet. Right. Whereas YouTube's ad revenue is so large that, you know, the adpocalypse is basically what caused all this, right? We yeah. forget yeah. that five years ago, they had a massive problem with ads being placed in the wrong places and advertisers said, no. Yeah, yeah. And immediately you had a big, re- so adpocalypse was a big thing. They had adpocalypse huge. one, they had adpocalypse two, which is why they're so concerned about yeah, these kind of things. Yeah. It, it impacts their business and YouTube is a much bigger business. Mm-hmm. I mean, more mature business than TikTok. Mm. So maybe now it's just, we'll do AI labeling first and see what happens. Mm. Um, because the, com- the commercialization is also different as well, right? Because mm. YouTube shares revenues revenues with its partners, so it needs to manage that relationship. Whereas TikTok and Instagram don't really do that. I know they're trying out different programs, mm. but the the revenue share is not the same as, or mm. not as certainly not as big as uh, what happens over on YouTube. Yep, um, very quick one, uh, and we'll kind of, uh, this is not one of the, the greatest of stories, but we need to touch on it because of We course, should, considering how much we've been talking about the, the developments uh, around The AI. benefits of AI, and it worries me because I did speak to the people behind uh, Google AI, and I will be airing that this week. However, Google accidentally leaked um, some barred AI chats into the public search results. Yep. Yeah, but well, they're saying it's because they shared the links, right, to those chats, Correct. and then it became part of the internet. So it's very important. So when you're using things like um, GPT, ChatGPT, and even BART, you can share those messages over. Be very careful where you share those messages Correct. because once it goes out of the app and someone else is using it and maybe puts it in a place that isn't secure, Google, it's a free-for-all. Google will find it. Yeah, of course. As part of the SEO. It, you know it crawls that web because it is the web. Yes. Kind of. Right, last story of the day. Um, this one might make you quake a little bit. <laughs> The CIA, yes, that CIA, they're building their own AI chatbot. Now, who's going to be chatting with an AI, a CIA chatbot? You know, I, I, I don't know the use case behind this. So they're tapping official uh, artificial intelligence to help their agents find needles in a rapidly growing haystack of data. Um, they're developing their own AI chatbot for verifying information quickly, uh, partnering with other intelligent uh, agencies to create this tool. So Randy Nixon, uh, that's a real name, by the way, uh, the CIA's director of open source enterprise mentioned that the chatbot would assist officers in analyzing vast data collections. However, the limits and 
safeguards regarding the tool's capabilities and adherence to privacy laws remain unclear. Yeah, it, I mean, uh, uh, intelligence agencies have been, all the military for that matter, have always been involved with tech, right? I mean, yeah. the heyday of Silicon Valley in the 70s and 80s arguably could be they were pushed by military, uh, the military uh, industrial complex to build out that tech and then became very consumer facing. Yeah. But some of the big names uh, that have been involved with the CIA include like Palantir, for example, yeah, yeah. Who, uh, who claimed to be instrumental in the locating of Osama bin Laden at that point, using the models and the data That's and the right. AI and all of that. And now um, there's just different ways that we're doing it. So AI chatbots to maybe help foster better interagency relations or to keep officers on the ground up to date on what needs to, without without having to directly communicate with handlers and things like that. I, I, I think essentially... Who it's knows, a, really? I think it's a chatbot they've created so we can track down Matt Armitage. Uh, I think that's probably <laughs> what it is. Uh, but anyway, uh, folks, thank you very much for tuning in uh, for this week's edition of uh, Tech Tuesday, of course, with Ms. myself and Roshan. Um, Let's just give people a one final chance to send uh, to win two tickets before we wrap up. If you want to win two tickets to the Enterprise Breakaway 2023, uh, here's the question again. A tech startup is considered a unicorn when it hits a valuation of 100 million US dollars. Is that true or false? Send in a WhatsApp with your name and address to 018, uh, email address to 018-789-8899. We will not be mailing you the tickets. <laughs> we will be emailing you the tickets. <laughs> That's all the time we have for today's show. Uh, don't go anywhere, though, because coming up after the one o'clock news, it is, of course, the Breakfast Grill Replay, the National Day of Germany, also known as German Unity Day, is celebrated on the 3rd of October. His Excellency Dr. Peter Bielmeier, uh, the German ambassador to Malaysia, spoke to the Breakfast Grill about the bilateral relations between Germany and Malaysia, as well as developments in geopolitical tensions. That's all coming up after the one o'clock news. To take us up there, we've got some ads and we've got some music from Def Leppard to start us off with. We'll be back tomorrow, of course, same time, same place here on Enterprise Biz Bytes on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.